Good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm really honored and flattered uh, by just the receiving you to be a spiritual family that lifts up Jesus and build around it. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, Lord, I pray as we, in your word this morning, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, that you would speak to us, and that you would highlight your word in such a way that it will bring truth to our hearts. And, Lord, ultimately, that it will change us, that we'll become more and more like you and be a true reflection of your image, carrying your name and your purpose in this world for your kingdom's sake. We pray this and ask this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. And may you be lifted up this morning. Amen. Amen. So as a church, we're busy with a sermon series called What Matters Most. It's a sermon series about uh, relationships. It focuses on relationships. And today's message is entitled, Just Do It. And we're going to focus on something that I believe is so uh, relevant that we can apply it to almost any relationship that we're in. Generally, when it comes to relationships, we tend to judge the other person in the relationship based on their actions, what they do. We, we tend to judge them, whether it's good or it's bad, whether we like that, what they're doing, or don't like it. We tend to judge relationships or the other person in the relationship based on what they do, their actions. We judge our children. You judge our spouse. You judge our neighbor. You judge, it, it's, it's just there's certain things that you perceive by their actions. Yet, we tend to turn it around when it comes to ourselves. We tend to judge ourselves not by our actions, but more by our intentions. So we judge the others by their actions, but when it comes to us, it's by our intentions. I'm expecting my wife to do something but surely she knows I love her. We do this all the time. See, there's this gap between our intentions and our actions in relationship. And all of us have done this. There's a couple of, I think, very general examples. It's true for my life, and I believe it's true for your life. How many of you meet up with someone here at church or at work and you go like, it's great seeing you. Listen, we need to spend some time together. <laughs> Next week at church, you're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to arrange that. It's going to happen. The third week, you're like, oh, man, I can't speak to them again. Let's, you start to ignore. Just, like four months later, I can't believe it's four months later. We, we need to get together. Great intentions. No action. No, hey, even if it's in three months' time, let's put a date down. Great intentions that fall short to our actions. Think about how we greet each other. How are you? Good, thank you. And we move on. Do we really stop and, hey, you on? How are you? What's happening in your life? And when somebody really asks you, how are you doing? Are you honest? No. I had a terrible week. How are you? Not good in you? Great intentions, bad actions. 
Unfortunately, in church, sometimes we'll have great intentions of praying for people. So I'll pray for you. And then Monday happens. And by Friday, you feel guilty. We have this great intentions of this week, this month, this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better spouse. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better neighbor. I'm going to be a, a better worker. I'm going to just be a better disciple. And we struggle to put those intentions into actions. Today, we're going to trust God to help us to bridge the gap between good intentions and our actions. And we're going to do this by reading together from Mark 10. So if you have your Bible with you, I would love you to turn um, to Mark 10. We're going to read together. So Mark 10. Now, before we read it, I want to give us a little bit of background as to what's happening here in Mark 10. Um, Jesus and his disciples and a group of people are on their way. They, they are on a trip. They are traveling to Jerusalem for a very specific reason. They are traveling to Jerusalem because it's the Passover feast. It's a massive thing in the Jewish culture. Everybody comes together in Jerusalem, and there's certain things that they celebrate during the Passover feast. But this is at the end of Jesus' three-year ministry. Jesus is going to Jerusalem knowing that during this Passover feast, he will be captured, tortured, and eventually crucified. The others don't know it. Although he's spoken about his death, although he's spoken about him going away, they don't know that it's going to happen at this trip. So they are on their way to Jerusalem. They, there's a specific event happening at a specific place at a specific time. They're purposely going to this, and then they get interrupted. Okay, That's where we start in Mark 10, verse 46. And then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means sons of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and just Look at the change of attitude. This is the same group that just went, man, quiet down. They go, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. <laughs> A moment ago, they were going, just be quiet. Go, go, good news. Come on, Jesus is calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now you might read this encounter between Jesus and this blind man, and it would be fair to wonder, how does this have anything to do with the relationships? Just for a moment, think about it. Let's for a moment imagine ourselves being part of this crowd, being part of people with Jesus. Okay. Jesus and his disciples are on their way. They have somewhere to be. They have things to do. There's a purpose behind what they're doing. They are on a trip. There's things that need to be done. And I can imagine 
at least one of the disciples, or at least one of the people near Jesus, is urging the group on to move faster. They're reminding the group of, listen, guys, we need to be by, in Jerusalem by this time. We need to keep on moving. We need to, there's things that need to happen. We're going to miss out at the start of the feast. We have to continue to move. I imagine there's at least one of the disciples. That's the timekeeper. And, and let's be honest, you know what I'm talking about. In every group, there's a timekeeper. There's some of you that's already watched your watch to see if I'm on time and if we're going to finish. Every group has a timekeeper. That person, they've got the itinerary mapped out in their, in their mind. They've got the checklist ready, and I, and I love that. They have this whole schedule in their mind. They don't even have to print it. And when it comes to traveling, they'll go, well, listen, if we want to reach our destination by this time, we have to leave by nine, which means we have to start packing by seven so that we can start eating breakfast at eight, which means we have to rise at six, which means we need to go to bed. It's just a schedule. It's a schedule. Timekeepers. Every family has got a timekeeper. In our family, there's a timekeeper. And there's another one in training. <laughs> and the, what's great about these timekeepers, not only do they have the schedule, but they'll, they'll remind you, listen, we already lost five minutes. You took too long with the milk and the pop. It's, it's, it's five minutes. We're going to make it up. They time bathroom breaks. Okay, guys, when we stop, we have 10 minutes. Go, 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 go. <laughs> we need to keep going. Jesus and his disciples are going. And they are traveling. And this blind man shouts out at Jesus. But these people traveling with Jesus gets frustrated with him. They get agitated with him. They become angry. They sort of just, just quiet down. Because they have things to do and places to be. And he's interrupting. This blind man shouting is keeping them from doing what they feel is most important. Can you imagine how so many of us would have reacted or responded to this blind man shouting for Jesus? How often do we get frustrated with the people that's screaming for your attention? How often in life do you get just frustrated because there's a child wanting attention, a child wanting um, to help a spouse they want to speak about their day a co-worker that needs help a neighbor that needs help a, a friend how many of us get frustrated with the interruptions of relationships this group reacted in a certain way but Jesus reacted differently there are three specific things that I believe Jesus did in this moment. 
Jesus stopped, he listened, and he responded. Three principles that I believe we can build into any relationship. Stop, listen, and respond. One of the best ways that you can communicate love to someone is through time. By stopping or pausing. When you stop and you pause, you communicate, I see you, I hear you, and I value you. See, in order for us to love others well, we need to learn how to stop. But stopping is difficult. Because we're just too busy to stop. We're just too busy with the demands of life, the pressures we carry, the things that needs to be done, the places where we need to be all at once, and all the different expectations of other peoples. It's just too much for us to carry, and it keeps us busy. Do we even have enough margin in our lives to love well? You have enough margin in your life for your children, for your, for your marriage, for your friends. Do you have enough margin to love well? One of the reasons why we struggle to stop is we're just too busy. It's just too much. It's too much weight. It's too much pressure. It's too much things. Another reason why I believe with it's difficult to stop is we're constantly distracted. Every 15 minutes, that thing in your pocket, that phone buzzes, it vibrates, it pings, and it jingles, and it screams out for our attention. It's messages that needs responses. It's emails that needs attentions. It's schedules that's being booked. It is reminders that pop up. It's social media information. It's just constantly screaming for our attention, and we're giving it attention, and we're living in a society where we've grown accustomed to a mind fragmented by technology. And there's a danger that we can live always connected but never present. It's difficult to stop because we're too busy and we're distracted. But I believe there's a deeper reason why we struggle to stop. Why we miss those moments. Miss moments where God wants to do something and in someone's life, or God wants to do something in your life, in relationships, there's a deeper reason why we struggle. Because every time that we stop, it keeps us from doing what we want to do. Every time that we have to stop, it keeps us from doing what we think is most important. It places pressure on us. It keeps us from being where we need to be. It keeps us from doing what we need to do. It keeps us from fulfilling that what we believe is most important. See, sometimes we're just too self-centered, self-minded to stop. Because stopping would cost me something. Stopping for others whether it's your wife, your children, your neighbor, your friends, requires us to live selflessly. It requires a selflessness. Now, I know I'm missing some of you. I'm starting to lose some of you. 
Some of you have already clutched out. You're already, Jonathan, there's too many things. I'm already giving my attention. I don't know how to stop. Um, I'm already not getting to my marriage and my children and my friends and all those things. And, and now you're asking me to stop even more for people. The good news is Jesus didn't stop for everyone. If you look at the Gospels, Jesus didn't stop for everyone that screamed for his attention. But Jesus knew when to stop. Jesus knew how to stop. And Jesus knew for whom to stop. The question this morning is not, are you stopping for people? It's, do you know how to stop? Do you know when to stop? And do you know for whom you need to stop? But then Jesus does this really interesting when he stopped. I love this picture how Jesus and this crowd is moving and Jesus just suddenly stopping. He says, call this man over. And this blind man runs to Jesus and then Jesus does this really, really interesting thing. He asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? Now think about this. Think about how strange this question is from Jesus. If you look at what the man is shouting, son of David, if you look at how he's shouting and the way he's interacting with Jesus, he must have heard about Jesus. He must have heard about this teacher, this rabbi that's going around. He must have heard about the healings that's taking place and the miracles, the way he's crying out and what he's crying out tells us that he knows who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. As a spectator, we'd probably go, Jesus, he's blind. You know what he wants to ask you. You know why he's shouting. And Jesus knows. This is a blind man coming to Jesus. What's he going to ask Jesus? Obviously for his sight. But yet Jesus chooses to say, to ask. What do you want me to do? Why? See, Jesus is listening to what's in his heart. Jesus is giving him the opportunity not only to express his need, but also the faith that he has in his heart. Jesus is listening. This man says, you can heal me. Jesus is listening to what's in his heart, not just his need. We need not only to stop, but when we stop, we need to listen to people. Because listening is powerful. How many of you have been in a conversation um, and you have chat this way and that way and you leave that conversation and as you're leaving, you're thinking, yes, this other person didn't even ask me how I'm doing. They didn't even ask me anything about me. Have you been in a conversation like that? What, what taste in your mouth do you have after that <laughs> like, Dude, that's weird yeah. what, do you, what, do you, what do you feel once you've been in a conversation like that it's not necessarily the other person only spoke about themselves but maybe they spoke about whatever what's happening in our nation and what's happening in the world and what's happening with the spring box and whatever but there was never just a genuine are you okay are you well how are you doing Makes you feel invaluable, unimportant. It's important that we listen 
to others because listening is a way of blessing people. Think of a time when you had to make a really difficult decision or you were under pressure or you were going through difficult circumstances and you had the ability just to speak to someone. Often you would hear people say, it was just, it was just good for me to speak about this. Didn't necessarily get an answer. You didn't have this revelation. We didn't get advice. It was just good for me to speak about this to someone. Listening is a blessing. Harvard neuroscientists have found that being able to speak about your emotions and your feelings and your opinions triggers the same sensation of pleasure in your brain which is associated with reward and feelings of reward that we get from eating and money. Being able to speak about your feelings, your emotions, and your opinions triggers something in your brain that validates a reward response. Certain hormones are being released. It's important that we allow others to speak and that we listen well. It's a gift to allow others to speak. It's blessing them. But also in listening, we get insight into what's happening in that person's life. Luke 6 says, for the mouth speak what the heart is full of. If you want to know what's happening in your child's life, listen to what they're saying. If you want to know what's happening in your wife's life, you have to go and you have to wait and you have to say, tell me about your day. Husbands, when your wife goes, Oh, Lippie, how was your day? Speak. Because it's not about the day. It's what's happening in your heart. When your neighbor speaks, when your friends speak, what do you hear? What's the heart full of? Allow people to speak. Because listening is a way of caring. But after Jesus stopped, he listened, he responded. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And Jesus healed him. This encounter between Jesus was life-giving to this person. I thought about this. Do people have life-giving moments with us in relationships? Yesterday I was just reflecting and I, I was just thinking on certain people in my life. I'm really privileged to have a couple of friends and people in my life that um, if I spend time with them, regardless of what we talk about, I leave that moment and I feel like a million dollars. You have someone like that? They have this incredible gift that once you spend time with them, you walk away from that moment, you feel, yo, I'm appreciated. I'm valued. You feel like a success. You feel there's hope in your heart. You feel you can do this. You feel encouraged. Do you have friends like that? When I have a rough week, I just arrange coffees with these guys. They're not all together. Five injections of your greats. And it's not that they, they're sugarcoating stuff. They're sincere. It's life-giving for me to spend time with them. As followers of Jesus... Is our relationships life-giving towards others? How are we responding to people? The words that we use is important. 
We know the scripture, Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When we respond to people, is our words life-giving, or does it bring death and negativity? If you spend time with someone in a relationship, and you see something good in their lives, say it. If you appreciate something they've done it, thank them for it. If you want to encourage them, encourage them. If you want to bring hope, bring hope. But just do it. Just say it. Speak life over them. Acknowledge the good that God has placed in them. Just say it. Listen. Stop. Listen. Respond. If we want to bridge the gap between our good intentions and our actions, we need to learn to stop to listen, and to respond to people in a way that will honor God. Just do it. But if our message were to end here today, it would sound as if you can close the gap between your intentions and your actions by simply trying harder. Now we have the ability Close this gap between good intentions and actions by simply just doing, stopping, listening, and responding. But the truth is, you and me know it's not that easy. Great principles, yes, and I do believe we should apply these principles. I do believe we should stop, we should pause, we should listen, and we should respond. But the truth is, something first needs to change inside of us. Before we stop, before we listen, before we respond, something needs to change inside of us. And if we look at this encounter between Jesus and this blind man, we need to realize we're not Jesus in the world. We're the blind men of this world. We are blind to what God is doing every day. We are blind to the people that God has placed in our lives. We're blind to the godly interruptions where the Holy Spirit wants to do something. We are blind to what is chasing us. We are blind to what is really important in this life, and we are blind to what is making us busy, and ultimately we are blind to the self-centeredness of our hearts. We are the blind men in this world. And before we can stop for others, we need to realize that Jesus first stopped for us. We're the blind men need to shout out to Jesus. Lord, I need you. Before I look at others, before I stop, Lord, I need you to stop for me. Jesus stopped first for you. Jesus stopped in heaven and he came to earth. Jesus stopped the power of sin on the cross. Jesus stopped death through the resurrection. Jesus stopped fear. Jesus stopped guilt and shame. Jesus stopped insignificance. Jesus stopped meaningless lives. Jesus stopped 
hopeless lives, and Jesus stopped unworthiness. He stopped first. And even today, Jesus is willing to stop for us. He carries the world on his shoulders, but he'll stop for you. And he would listen, and he will respond to those who shout out to him. The question this morning is not how you're going to stop being busy. Question is, will you stop for Jesus? Can you stop and say, Lord, change my heart? Start with me. Lord, deal with the self centeredness. Deal with this thing that's chasing me, that's keeping me busy. Lord, open my eyes to see your will. Lord, open our eyes to see what's really important. This morning is an opportunity for some of us to stop. And I want to use the opportunity. I want to ask that we close our eyes. And take a moment. Just reflect over where you are. Where you are in relationships. Things that's chasing you. And this morning is a moment of grace where you can stop. And allow Jesus to speak to you. And this morning, I want to pray specifically for people who say, Jesus, I want to stop for you. I realize something in my life that's chasing me, that's keeping me to be fully present in the relationships that you're calling me to. I realize there's things in my life that's overburdening me. I think, uh, I realize there's things that's stolen my focus and my intention in such a way it's, I'm just self-centered. And living for myself. that's you this morning, if you realize I'm a blind, blind man and you want to say, Jesus, would you touch me? Would you touch my eyes, the eyes of my heart? I want you to raise your hand just as a response to say, I'm going to stop. Stopping, I'm choosing, Lord. is new every day thank you that by faith I believe you're stopping in my life today thank you that you're willing to stop Lord and Lord I'm sorry for self-centeredness in my life I'm sorry for the things that's been chasing me the things that I'm wasting my time on the things that's stealing my attention Lord. sorry that I've not been honoring you through the way that I live would you forgive me Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Pray now that by your spirit, you would come and do something new in my heart, that you would open the eyes of my heart, 
to see what's really important, to see what you want to do, and to see people for who you see them to be. Would you lead me, Lord? Father, by your grace, I pray for every person who really is at a place where we recognize, Lord, that we need you, and we want you to stop at our hearts. We want you to stop in our lives. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you would come and reveal to us what's those things that's blinding us to what you want to do in and through our lives, that's blinding us to who you are, Lord. I pray that you come and reveal these things to us, Lord, and that you would deal with them and that you would change our hearts, Lord, that we'll be more and more like you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'll live a way that you lived, in perfect peace. Lord, I come and I ask Lord, may you come and change us first. And may that be a blessing to the other people that you've placed in our lives. May we see stronger relationships because of what you do. And may you open our eyes to see what is really important, what matters most. We ask this in your name. Amen. To conclude this morning, after Jesus healed this blind man, he started following Jesus. I love this part of the story. Jesus heals him. He, there's a whole thing about stopping and inviting him. In, but eventually, he's a follower of Jesus. See, we need to realize if we can't stop for Jesus every day, we will struggle to stop for others. Every day, there's an opportunity to stop and say, Jesus, I'm overburdened. I'm, I'm, I'm fearful. I'm, I'm struggling to get to everything. Lord, may you guide me. Will you help me? Would you lead me? And I will follow you, Jesus. Would you come and change my heart? Would you come? The reality is, if you want to bridge the gap between intentions and actions, it starts with stopping for Jesus every day. From place of intimacy, we ask him, Lord, change my heart, open my eyes, and lead me in your will. And then we follow him. And we trust him. In those moments where there's interruptions of life, we'll know this is a place where I stop. And when I stop, I listen. And I respond in a way that is life-giving. Because I've received life from the one that stopped first. Just do it. Stop for Jesus. Just do it. And then we'll follow him and we'll see him change our relationships. Lord, may you lead us to bring change in our hearts and change in those who you've called us to. Amen.